It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980. We're always live as well on the free Odyssey app. Coming up in a little bit, we will talk about the big NBA trade today. Pascal Siakam headed to the Pacers for a ton of picks. Worth it for Indiana. Uh, Yes, no, why, why not? Uh, And the Wizards. We haven't really talked about the trade they made over the weekend either, so we'll get into that coming up throughout the final hour of the show. But first, I'm very excited to welcome our next guest in. Uh, great dude. Get to see him all the time out in Ashburn and at FedEx Field. Always great to catch up with him. And uh, he wrote a really, really great piece for Commanders.com about Adam Peters, but not not from him sitting down and talking with Adam. Uh, our, our guy, Zach Selby, Got a call from John Lynch. Yeah, that's right. Adam Peters, former boss, the president of football operations out in San Francisco. And the nuggets in this story are fantastic. Uh, so with that, we bring Zach on to the show now. Zach, what's up, man? Uh, appreciate your time. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. I mean, honestly, it was a little bit of a surprise I was even able to talk to him. You know, Sean, Sean DeBarbieri, our uh, director of PR, just sent me a text random. I was like, hey, John Lynch is able to talk to you in, in like a couple of days. I was like, wait, excuse me, what? So I had to like <laughs> scramble to like come up with some questions. But yeah, it was a it was a great conversation to get to talk to him and get a chance to know a little bit more about Adam, not just, you know, what, he, what he's able to do with the, the Broncos and the Patriots, but how he's able to build that great roster over there at the 49ers. Yeah, and I th- I thought the what what's been so cool uh that for me at least uh, the last week or so like we were lucky enough to have Scott Pioli on the show on Friday who gave Adam his first job in the league and he kind of told that story. And then you got kind of the Broncos and then Broncos the 49ers part of his bio down in some more detail. Can you relay that story for us and what it was like to hear it from John Lynch's mouth of how you know they wind up next to each other in the draft room, and then John gets the job, uh, and that of course in Denver, and then John gets the job in San Francisco, and is like, I know what I need to do. Yeah, it, it's crazy how how those how those situations always work out, right? So John Lynch ha- had a little bit of a relationship with John Elway, and they start, kind of started to get to talk about how he would want to be in the front office a little bit. So he started out with just evaluating the safeties, then the defensive backs, and then all of a sudden he's in the third year of them getting to kind of ease him into the front office process. He's in the he's in the draft room with the Broncos, and he happens to sit down next to this dude named Adam Peters. Um, and he just immediately became impressed with him, and they started hitting it off pretty well. Um, they had a lot of the same philosophies on how to build rosters. They liked the same kind of players. And he was really impressed with, with Adam, and not just because of his football acumen, but also the way he was able to, to stand up and to, with com, some conviction to, for, for who he believed was going to be able to help the roster. He even stood up a lot to, to John Elway himself. I mean, which, I mean to, see, to have a Hall of Fame quarterback uh, standing uh, opposite of you and telling you, hey, like, tactfully, I think we could maybe go in a different direction. Maybe this guy could help us out in a different way than what you're thinking. That takes a lot of, of gumption is what John Lynch had. And whenever uh, Lynch got the job with the 49ers, he knew immediately I need to have Adam Peters on my staff because of how smart he is, how collaborative he is, and just how much conviction he has about his players. And obviously you see the results where they've spoken for themselves. I mean, playoff appearances, um, Super Bowl runs, all that other stuff, because those two have just been so much in lockstep. And Lynch calls him his right-hand man for a reason. I mean, those those fingerprints are just as much on the roster as much as Lynch's is. Um, this is not. This would not normally be the second question, but I don't want to forget it at the end. Was there any point in the call where Lynch is like, 
I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, how do, how do they, this is not the most important thing here, obviously, but like, is Lynch nervous about losing Peters? He, he definitely didn't sound like it. Um, you know, if anything, the, the entire theme of, of, of that cold conversation was how deserving uh, uh, Adam was of the opportunity because he, he said he's very proud of Adam because of what he's been able to do. But I, I, do, I do get to what you mean. It's, it's, it's kind of like he called, like I said, he called him his right-hand man for a reason because he was so integral to the way the 49ers were doing things. It allowed John to, to prioritize his time a little bit better because there's obviously as, as a GM, you know, head of football operations, you're getting pulled in a lot of different directions. But you have a guy in Adam Peters who says, no, I, I got this. You can handle you know, the meeting with ownership. You can handle the meeting with, with the team president. I can handle some of the other stuff so that this, uh, this ship keeps, keeps afloat here. And he appreciated that so much. Um, but obviously when you have a guy like that, you realize, like, he's going to be a GM at some point in your at some point in his very near future. So, yeah, I'm sure he's going to miss Adam for sure. I mean, how would you not? But at the same time, you have to realize that, yeah, he's proud of him because he's seen him kind of, quote-unquote, grow up a little bit, and he just knew it was a matter of time before he was going to be leading his own franchise at some point. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I, I think that it was just funny reading the quotes in your story. Again, ZachSelbyCommanders.com is with us. Talk to John Lynch about Adam Peters, and there was like an undertone from the way it's presented. <laughs> it's like, you know, he's so complimentary. You're like, oh my God, how am I going to replace this guy? So I was wondering if he ever vocalized that on the call. But I mean, part of running a good organization is they well know in San Francisco is setting up a succession plan as they have from Robert Sala to D'Amico Ryans and now Steve Wilkes uh, replacing Ryans and, and, and all the things they've done with their coaching staff. So I'm sure they can do that in their front office too. Uh, you mentioned the, the impact that Peters had on the roster out there. What is it about him as a talent evaluator that, that makes him so special and allowed him to work not just so well with Lynch, but with Kyle Shanahan? You know, I think the, there's a couple of things. I think one is his collaboration, right? I think that's been so key, not just for Adam Peters, but it seems like the entire – anyone who comes out of that 49ers organization, it seems to be like collaboration is, is kind of like their their biggest thing. He's not really going in there with his one voice saying, oh, we have to do this or we have to do that. It seems like all of his opinions are coming from – it's like an amalgamation of a lot of other opinions that he's gathered – um, uh, throughout his process to say, okay, this is what we need to do because we all agree this is how things need to be done. It kind of reminds me of something that I actually heard that you and you and Logan Paulson talking about on the Take Command podcast about how Kyle's very, Kyle Shannon is very much like, okay, yeah, like if you're going to bring something to the table, yeah, like you, we'll, we'll listen to you, but you need to make sure you're backing it up from something. And, and definitely, and definitely, Adam has that ability. But I also think his ability to to relate to people, I think, is a kind of an underrated quality, right? Because, yeah, you know, the NFL is is a business. Like, play, like players all under understand that their value is going to be determined how much they can help the football team win, and if not, they're not going to be there for very long. Um, but at the same time, Adam kind of it seems like Adam knows that athletes are people, and that he doesn't just treat them as a commodity. He definitely treats them as 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 almost like kind of a quasi partner in this because they are kind of they're all working towards the same goals. And, and one of the things I really I liked about whenever John Lynch said this is that Adam has a way of, of being very blunt and saying, okay, this is what we need from you. This is how we're going to get this done. This is why we think you're going to be valuable. And it's very upfront and honest. And there's not a lot of flower language to it, but I think players appreciate and respect that. So I think it's a combination of a lot of things. I think it's, it's ability to collaborate with the scouting department. I think that's been pretty key. That's why he's been able to be so successful in evaluating late-round talent. 
Uh, and also, like I said, his ability just to relate to people, let them know that they are human beings, that we're all working towards this one thing. He's not just some face out there that is kind of giving down directions on how he's he's interacting with people and players. He's telling them exactly how they're going to be helpful in the, the grand scheme of things. Yeah, no, I thought that was a great anecdote because uh, I think people hear sometimes like, oh, he's a great people person. It's like, okay, like this is football. These are men, blah, blah, blah. And you get kind of that stuff. And it's like, no, like the way he the way he goes about it is exactly that. Like he's blunt, he's honest, but he's like actually honest, not fake honest like you get – um, in a lot of a lot of work situations, period. Nevertheless, in the NFL, um, you mentioned his relationship with the scouts, which is something else I wanted to ask you about. That that Lynch touched on in your piece when they got to San Francisco. Apparently, they they, they I guess inherited a lot of the scouts and wound yeah. up keeping a lot of them. What was that yeah. part of the conversation like? Because that is obviously what is going to happen here. As for for fans that don't know, like scouting Black Monday is the day after the draft. If you are this far into your draft process, your scouts are going to stay the same even if your GM does. So being able to work with them, even if it's just for a year, is incredibly important. So what what kind of experience does Peters have to draw on from what he and Lynch did in San Francisco when they got there in 2017? Yeah, I mean, you know, one of the things that, that John was saying was that they were, they were very impressed with the scouts that they kind of quote-unquote inherited, as you said. But, and, you know, they're, they're obviously great, they're very talented evaluators, but they all needed – a, a big direction because obviously they're going in a very different direction than what the previous regime was, was going through. So that's where Adam really came in, right? He, he kind of gave them a lot of very clear direction on what, what he and John really wanted in players, what kind of qualities they valued and who the players were that had those values that they could add. And I think that's where his relation, his ability to relate to people comes comes in very well they had very clear direction on on how they wanted to structure the roster i mean because like it's just because i guess like it's not it's not the same as like assistant coaches right it's not like oh they fit certain certain schemes or they fit certain things like no they they evaluate who you tell them to evaluate and then they give you a report and that's that they have to they, they're only as good as their certain the certain qualities that you that you tell them that you want um so again when you have a guy like adam who is very clear and blunt about what he wants and how he wants to uh, create his vision into a reality that allows for a better scouting process. So yeah, he's going to be inheriting some different scouts that, that, you know, Ron Rivera had had kept from the previous regime as well. Um, But yeah, I think they're going to have a very good idea about what Adam wants in terms of what this and the new head coach, whatever they're going to build uh, this thing that that ends up being at some point in the near future. Yeah. That, that is that's a really good point as well. Um, that some of these scouts that are going to be inherited have been here not just through the Ron Rivera era, but back into the the Bruce Allen, Kyle Smith, you know, various levels of people in charge through that whole era. Um, it's kind of funny because you go to the combine and you see the same guys in commanders polos as you saw yeah. in 2017. If you're me and you were on the beat back in 2017, uh, and by the way, that 2017 49ers draft. Uh, not not all hits by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, with that scouting group uh, that they inherited, Solomon Thomas was their first pick. Uh, they eventually got George Kittle in that draft and DJ Jones in the sixth round. So uh, they got to work pretty good pretty quickly on, on some key pieces of what has become a contender out in San Francisco. Uh, wrapping up here with Zach Selby, commanders.com. Uh, last thing I'll ask you is this, Zach. 
What is your favorite anecdote from whether it made the print story or not? Your favorite thing that you walk away from the phone call with John Lynch? What's your favorite, like your favorite story, I guess, from from that chat? Honestly, I think I really think the Elway story is, is so fascinating to me because you know these the Hall of Fame guys like they they are very very confident in their football knowledge and their football acumen, and I, I'm imagining myself trying to tell even like I don't know like like Logan Paulson, like, Hey, I really believe that this guy is going to be, is going to be something special. Like they're going to look at you and say, okay, you can say that, but like, what do you have to back up with? And when you have a hall at a hall of fame resume to that, like it's going to be very hard to convince them that what they believe is, is maybe not necessarily always the best direction for what the, for, for how the franchise can go. But um, when you have a guy like, who's a thorough and as bright as Adam Peters has been, then yeah, you 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 can you can you can bring up all these stats and say okay, there's some evidence to why I'm saying this. I'm not just saying it just to be argumentative, or I'm not I'm saying it just to be uh, just to go against the grain. I actually have a a full fledged opinion on on why you can do this. And if you can convince a, a Hall of Fame guy like like John Elway, you 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 should be able to to convince anybody. But I think overall the biggest thing is I think John can, John felt like. Adam wasn't equal in a lot of ways. I know, like, they, they, he didn't see it as, like, oh, it's just one of my employees or my underlings, like, getting an opportunity. He felt like, of course he was going to get this opportunity because he's that good. Uh, he's that good of an executive. He's that good of a person. Um, and, again, you have to consider him to be as a co-architect of that 49ers uh, roster in a lot of ways. So, yeah, I think you look. You, he always spoke to him with such high regard and saying, almost, like I said, as an equal. And that, to me, gives me so much confidence as to – why again this is a slam dunk hire for Washington. And again, like I've been saying for a while, this is the most exciting offseason I've been a part of in a while. And I really can't wait to see what he does next. Yeah, uh I think you, me, everyone listening, uh it right. definitely is a time. Uh you know, I was just talking with a buddy of mine in the commercial break and he's like, you know, they've given me a reason to have hope again. Hope's hope can be a dangerous thing, but it's better than the alternative, which is having none. Uh Zach right. Selby with us from commanders.com. I'm serious, this piece is really, really good. This the quotes from Lynch are phenomenal. It is worth a read at commanders.com. Uh and Zach, any chance we have to have you on the show is always a great one. Uh I, I don't know the next time I'll see you. I guess probably the head coach press conference. Uh, hopefully I'll see you here in a, in a couple weeks whenever that happens. Yeah, who knows? But, yeah, it's always great talking to you, Craig. Um, we'll see you again soon. Indeed. All right, Zach Selby, everybody, with us here on the Hoffman Show. When we get back, uh, a couple more thoughts uh, on this article because there's really some great quotes from Lynch. So I'll hit one or two more of those quickly. And then at 6.30, talk about the big NBA trade today. Pascal Siakam off the trade market, going from Toronto to Indianapolis. That's all still to come on the Hoffman Show. Reaction to the day's big NBA trade coming up in just a few minutes. Uh, right now, though, wrapping up uh, the Commander's Talk for the day, pretty much. I mean, it is 6.23 on a show that goes until 7 p.m. This, of course, the Hoffman Show on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app. So uh, one of the anecdotes that Zach Selby, who just joined us, uh, shared from John Lynch on or from commanders.com that I thought was super interesting and was one that he mentioned in our interview where he's talking about, you know, if, if, you know, Lynch had to go do something with ownership that he trusted Peters to kind of take on the process and do whatever needed to be done on the scouting side of things that day. And the reason I think that struck me is because when Peters spoke on, is that yesterday? 
Oh my God, was that yesterday? Yeah, it was yesterday. 78 days ago yesterday? Yep. Ugh. What is time? Does it feel like a Wednesday today? No. It doesn't. No. Honestly, I can't think about much else other than the words that are about to come out of my mouth and the fact that I'm hungry. Um, Anyway, yesterday, but he talked about how, like, we're going to have a process. And I think why that's so important is highlighted by that story from John Lynch, where, like, if everybody understands the process and understands what needs to be done, then you can plug and play the pieces. And obviously, you always want the best piece to go. Like, I mean, if you have to run... Uh, a relay race and someone's got to run and someone's got to carry a heavy thing and someone's got to do whatever. Like you don't want the fast guy carrying the heavy thing and the, and the, the strong guy doing the speed work. Like you want, you want people doing what they're best at, but at some point you just got to get the job done and understanding who the best people are um, and, and putting them in place, but also having the adaptability to move within uh, changing circumstances, I think is really important. And you get that clarity of what actually needs to be done and how everybody wants to go about it by developing systems, by developing processes, and then making sure that people at all layers of your organization understand what they are and kind of what the common goals are that you're trying to accomplish. Because that's the other part of it is like Peters and Lynch knew exactly what they wanted to to do, like what any what their scouting goals were, what they were looking for in players, what kind of people they're looking for, and they pass that down throughout their organization, which is why, by the way, they probably will be able to replace Adam Peters as much as you can replace someone as skilled and talented as Peters is because he's been able to pass down that vision, and, and people below him have certainly been doing things that were considered at some point part of his job. Like that is, That's how you build a good organization, and I think that's the exciting thing of like hearing him be a part of that and how, understanding how important is it, it is to you know, have someone underneath you that can do parts of your job as he did for John Lynch, I think he'll build that here. Because there are times as the general manager, you have to take care of stuff that no one else can based off your job title, position, and power. Um, And do you have the other day-to-day tasks taken care of? Um, He'll set that up here, and and that's part of the reason why, like that understanding of that that needs to happen is part of the reason why I think he'll ultimately succeed. When we get back, a big, big trade in the NBA today, far beyond the two teams that were involved in it. We'll discuss next on the Hoffman Show. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980. We're always live as well on the free Odyssey app. Anthony, can you believe we we do this every day? We go to 7 o'clock, like first long stretches of the year. We get in this winter mode where like we got a ton of basketball, we got a ton of play-by-play, and we, our show gets cut short, and then all of a sudden it's time to go to 7 o'clock. And it's like, wow, I'm not in shape for a 7 o'clock show. Uh, getting, getting back into it, bro. Yeah, I think, th- I think the start of the new year has been, you know, we, we've been hit, hit with a lot of, you know, mixed weeks. Like some, we have. We some have. Some days I'm in, some days you're in. It's been a chaotic uh, start some, to 2024. Some days we're going to 6.15, some days, like, it's been crazy. You know what we're doing today? It's you, it's me, we're here until 7 o'clock. Yeah. As I watch Grant and Danny and their producers leave to go home. They're packing up, they're putting their bag on, they're yep. smiling, they're laughing. That's okay. They've been on since 2. You know what we're going to do? We're going to power through all the way till 7. Say less. That point, better NGM tonight. We'll take over, uh, and then and then we got the live play-by-play and the whole deal uh, nightly here on the Team 980. We also have your favorite 
DC Sports Radio host from 106.7 The Fan and the Team 980, hitting the stage together for a night of sports debate, laughs, and behind-the-scenes stories. It's 106.7 The Fan versus the Team 980, live Friday, February 2nd at 8 p.m. at the Bethesda Theater. What will the commanders do in free agency? Who will they select with the number two pick? How soon till they're actually, you know, good again? It's all on air. Or Sorry, it's definitely not. It's all off air, on stage, and uncensored. See, it would be bad if it was that combination of things on air. We get in lots of trouble. Instead, it's off air, on stage, and uncensored. So you got to be there if you want to be a part. It features uh, not only me and Ann and, and our crew here, uh, but Chris Russell, Kevin Sheehan, B. Mitch and Finley, Grant and Danny, and, of course, the Sports Junkies. Get tickets today at BethesdaTheater.com. It is presented by Main Street Bank. Cheer local, bank local. Put their team in your office. Visit MStreetBank.com for more information. Big NBA trade today, and the Indiana Pacers acquired all-star forward Pascal Siakam for or from the Toronto Raptors in exchange for Bruce Brown, Jordan Nuora, and count them, not one, not two, but three first-round picks that, according to Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN, as part of a separate trade, the Pelicans sent Kira Lewis Jr. to the Raptors and a second-round pick to the Pacers. So ultimately, it kind of conglomerates into a three-team trade. The biggest pieces moving are Brown, the Nuggets star, or Nuggets uh, key role player, star in his role uh, last year during the finals, who signed with the Pacers this offseason and has helped them get off to a pretty good start this year uh, in exchange for Siakam with those three first-round picks going back in return. Um, the Raptors this year, disappointing. Uh, they're building around a future centered around Scotty Barnes. They're just 15 and 25. And I think Brown's like a good vet for them to have, but ultimately they're really trading for those three first round picks. Meanwhile, the Pacers, I, I'd say, are a surprising 23 and 17, uh, six seed, which currently gets you in the playoffs, out of the play in. Um, they're seven and three in their last 10. They, of course, made the finals of the in-season tournament powered by Tyrese Halliburton, their young superstar, who they needed to get help. And I think ultimately that's what this trade's about. And the biggest question is like, why the hell would you give up three first round picks for Pascal Siakam, who is on an expiring contract? And immediately when that happened, I was like, there's definitely more to this story. Um, there is no way that the Pacers make this trade if they don't have some level of assurance that Siakam is re-signing. And sure enough, Woj reported later, like Siakam is quote-unquote very excited about the prospect of signing in Indiana. And that kind of leads you to go, why would Siakam be super excited to re-sign in Indiana? And I think there's there's multiple things. One, Tyrese Halliburton's a freaking dude. Like, he is a top 10 player waiting to happen if he's not there already based off his performance this season. I think he's been one of the 10 best players in the NBA this season. Um, but he's a top 10 player bona fide waiting to happen. He's still super young. He's locked into that uh, contractually there for a long time. But the Pacers also still have enough cap space to give Pascal Siakam all the money he wants, and they have no other way to get a superstar. They're not signing one in free agency. And so if you're a Siakam, you're, like, he's super max eligible, but in order to get the super max, you have to stay with the team that, that uh, drafted you and, and got you eligible for that in the first place. Raptors weren't paying Pascal Siakam super max money, which good job Raptors. If only Tommy Shepard had had that kind of foresight with, I don't know, Bradley Beal. 
which I know some uh, Wizards fans, uh, well, actually, I don't know. I don't know what Wizards fans think of Bradley Beal anymore. It's a confusing thing. But, like, statistically, they're not that dissimilar players in terms of production. Siakam's a better defender. Um, Beal was probably a slightly better offensive player, but, like, still that 22-ish points per game type of score. Beal, a better shooter. Um, but Pascal, 52% from the field this year, even if he's only 31% from three. Different styles of players, but, like, same caliber. Guy who's capable of making an all-NBA team, capable of making an all-star team, but is not a perennial type of player. Don't pay that dude super max money. And so the Raptors did a good job of being like, we're not doing that. But the Pacers still will have his bird rights, a.k.a. they can re-sign him to more money than anyone else. So like, I get why Siakam's like, sweet, trade me to Indiana. We have a chance of winning because of Halliburton. And by the way, Siakam's got a ring, so it's not like he needs to go ring chasing. But I think there is like a larger impact on the league here because teams like the Warriors were certainly interested in him. And now all the other contenders that hope to trade trade for Siakam, even if it was a rental in, a, in an attempt to extend a title window or solidify their title chances, uh, he's off the market. Like the best player that I think was available for trade uh, this this trade season, if you will, is is now done. And the price, I think, was a lot higher than people expected. Three firsts for Pascal Siakam is a big freaking price if you're the Indiana Pacers. Yeah, I just don't think the the Pacers are too worried about those um, first-round draft picks. Um, And to be honest, I think it's a win-win for both teams. I think the Raptors, they were in in an area where they weren't really going too far. So I just think, you know, the trades that they made already for Quickly and um, R.J. Barrett – to uh, you know, to side with Scotty Barnes, that's their nucleus that they're going to use, you know, build towards the future. Now with those first round picks, they're going to put a lot of young talent around those three players, and we've sort of seen that with the OKC uh, Thunder. You know, with Shea, they got Shea, and guess what? There's a whole bunch of young talent that he's going out there and making better. So I think for the Raptors, I think they're just getting ahead of the curve and you know trying to build for the future. Now with the Pacers, those three, those first three first round draft picks. They don't really mean that much to him just because if Siakam does resign there and you already have Tyrese Halliburton, who's only 23 years old. I know, it's he's crazy. He's young, man. So you're going to have those two there, two all-star caliber players, you know, to build around. I think um, where they are right now, you know, somewhere at the top of the uh, the East, you know, Halliburton, he, he's out for a little bit because he, uh, he has an injury to his hamstring. Right. But once he gets back into the swing of things, if, if you already thought, you know, their fast-paced offense was a problem, which you add Siakam to the equation, now you got five guys or, I guess, four guys. Turner, to an extent, can push the ball as well. But uh, I think it just adds to, you know, a high-scoring uh, affair that they already have there in Indiana. I agree. And the other thing that I think is pretty fascinating is, like, they they need defensive help. Like and he they are, guard. yep, one through five. terrible defensively. Mm-hmm. They are wizards esque defensively. I mean, they. <laughs> I mean, sorry, but like, it's not true. that bad, man. We we we've given up the most one hundred forty point balls all. I, I promise you. Oh no, they definitely have. But yeah. like, hold on, they have the Pacers have the best offense in the league. Yeah. They're averaging one hundred and twenty five points per game. Um, defensively, they are the third worst defense in the league. The Wizards are giving up 125 a game. The Hawks are giving up 123. The Pacers are giving up 123 as well. Wow. 
Um, now, part of that is they play at the fastest pace in the league. So as the Wizards are right there with them. So like part of that, if I look at points per game, like obviously they're giving up a ton, but like you can't win that way. You can't you can't win in the playoffs that way. And Siakam gives them, I think, a couple of things that are really, really, really important. One, he's a wing that can guard and like if you want to be for real in the playoffs, having one dude who can guard the other team's best dude and make their job a lot harder and kind of bite off the head of the snake as much as you can, limit the head of the snake yep. of an opposing uh, team, I think is really, really important. So that's thing one. Two, he's won a championship. He brings a know-how to a very, very young team that is built around Halliburton at 23 who doesn't have any playoff experience or any real playoff experience, if he has any at all. I don't think he's made the playoffs yet. Um, you know, Benedict Matherin and like some of the other young guys. They got the kid they drafted this past year in that trade, that swap with the Wizards, whose name I'm now forgetting, but Jairus Walker. Yes, Jairus Walker. Like those are the players that are meaningful for them in the future. And obviously, Miles Turner has always kind of been floating around. It's like, are they going to trade him? Are they going to build around him? Like, he's a good fit with, with Halliburton because of his shooting prowess. Um, and, and by the way, that's an important piece because Siakam's not the greatest three point shooter. So you have a big out there that can shoot the three. You get the spacing. Siakam can be a cutter and a slasher, and the spacing's not all jacked up. Um, but also, like, he can be someone that's a bit of a mentor for Halliburton. Like, he can take on some of the face of the franchise stuff. He can be a guy that has the know-how uh, and the professionalism to say, like, I know what it takes. Tyrese, let's do this. And so I think he's going to be part mentor, obviously huge contributor as a player. And they also have multiple first-round picks this year, this upcoming year. And I think the that what I read in Woj's story is the picks are two this year and one in 2026. So it's not like they're giving up picks in 2028, 2030, like some of these other teams are about to in the next six weeks. They they gave up, you know, they had extra assets which allowed them to to pile them into this trade. Um I I will say if I'm Bruce Brown, I'm probably pretty ticked off. Sign there for a reason in the offseason, and then you get traded. Uh but I don't know. He could get traded again. If I was Denver, I'd try to get him back. That's just me. They could use him. They sure could. Uh, they could They could sure up exactly the Bruce Brown-sized hole that they have currently. Uh, by the way, what a game last night between the Sixers and the Nuggets. Joel Embiid, uh, 40-10 and 10 in that one. Scored 10 straight points in the fourth quarter to, to seal it. Um, also, I, I something that came out today, uh, I saw Chase Hughes post this um, on the Wizards trade from over the weekend. I did not realize that Isaiah Lively, uh, who they traded from Detroit, uh, for uh, along with Marvin Bagley, who kind of got the headlines because he's a former top prospect and top uh, top two pick in the draft. Apparently, Lively and Jordan Poole are like best friends. They were together at Michigan, and so in the constant effort to Come on, livers, yeah, uh, livers, yeah, yeah sorry, Isaiah not, livers, yeah, Isaiah livers, my bad. Um, Isaiah livers, like they were best friends mm-hmm. in Michigan. Yep, and so like in the constant pursuit of reviving Jordan Poole's career. And, you know, after the incredibly tough 18 months that he's had, starting with the punch and going through the the rough season last year in Golden State and a rough start this year, he's been a little bit better as of late. You know, better is a relative term. Getting, like, this is a smart move from Will Dawkins mm. to be like, yo, if we can get his best friend in here and, like, get his spirits back and get Jordan Poole back to feeling like Jordan Poole, maybe he'll start playing like Jordan Poole. Who cares if he's good? The season doesn't matter. Like, this is the kind of risk you take in this season. Also, uh, shout out to whoever tweeted me this. Uh, it also means you have a Liverpool nickname. <laughs> That's actually funny. Right, Ab? I Ab? play on words. 
Good, excellent job. Uh, speaking of good plays on words, certainly going to be some in real things because that's the kind of thing that we do there. Preview tomorrow's show, uh, and and we wrap the show with real things next. First, a final look at what's trending. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app, wrapping up here on a Wednesday, tomorrow, Thursday. Uh, our buddy Mike Yam from NFL Network. I keep looking up on TV and seeing Mike. Uh, he's going to join us tomorrow at 6 o'clock, so pretty pumped for that. Anthony, uh, anything else we have tomorrow? Uh, I mean, we'll probably do tiers in a different way. Yeah, we did We did that last week, uh, which which I think went well. I'm think, trying to think back. I don't, I don't think we made any huge mistakes. I um, think based off the teams, you guys had like your own. Broke it down into like four different. Categories. Yeah, I and mean, we just reuse the same tiers, but now the standard is a little bit different. Um, and like in a way, it is, but in a way, it isn't. Um, so we'll do NFL tiers tomorrow. Uh, Yammer at six. Um, who's interviewing? Quinn interviews tomorrow. Is Morris tomorrow or Friday? Can you remember? I think Morris is tomorrow, and then um, Johnson's Friday. I know Johnson's Friday. So, um, obviously, these are all virtual interviews. Um, you know, we'll see uh, the the real interviews start next week uh, in terms of in-person, depending on the availability based off win or lose this weekend. Um, Morris with the Rams is super interesting. So, perhaps uh, we'll get uh, our friend Jordan Rodrigue, who covers the Rams for the Athletic. I'll see if she can come on the show tomorrow and talk about Raheem. Um, I think she's just so fascinating to talk to anyway because she's done so much writing and so much studying of how these organizations within the Shanahan tree have been built. She did the series The Playmakers over the summer. Um, she obviously covers McVeigh each and every day. And as the commanders look to build their version of what Sean McVeigh and Les Snead have built out in uh, L.A., Jordan would be a good person to talk to. So we will. Uh, I'll, I'll see if we can get get her on the show tomorrow um other than that uh it's time for real things anthony this computer though has bit the dust on me over here so could you please do us the honors of introducing real things real people said into real microphones real things we're not gonna be said this year real people five and eleven not very good said into real microphones you know the culture is actually damn good all right uh this is just funny to get us started a a a, a dip our toe in the water of real things if you will Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yep, that one. The wrestler, as if there's any other one. Uh, he he tried a cold plunge for the first time. Anthony, did you listen to this multiple times to make sure everything was bleeped? Yes, sir. Okay. Fingers crossed. This is how it went for the one of the toughest men on earth. Hey, what's up, everybody? Steve coming to the Broken Skull Run. Hey, what's up, everybody? Steve coming to the Broken Skull Ranch. Uh, about to do my first cold plunge and renew therapy. Uh, my shop says 43 degrees right now, so I'm sure the water is sub 50. I was going to start off at 50. It's going to be a little bit colder than that. And uh, we're going three minutes. No, you're not. Here, once it gets on to 12 and 5, 4, 3, 2, down we go. God damn. Ha ha. Ha ha. Ha. Son of a. B Ha! 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 Ha!
visit this mother. See, we're going to revisit this after like 13 seconds when you were supposed to go three minutes. It's hilarious to me. Dude, first time I saw that, I could not stop laughing. Oh, my God. Have you have you done a cold plunge before? No, I don't think I ever will, though. Um, I don't know that I've done like an official cold plunge like that, but I've done like an ice bath at home. It's it's nasty, man. Like, it hurts. But do. The, you adjust, and that's, that's kind of what you got to do. I put my foot in a cold bucket. I've done. Oh God, I've done that. That's that's almost worse. Like, just give that, me the that's whole body. Easier than doing a a full body plunge. I don't know, man. Your feet get all cold and it's just down there frozen. Not great. Uh, this clip going viral as the mic'd up sound comes out from the weekend. Uh, Christian Harris's pick six. He had pretty direct instructions from his coach D'Amico Ryan's for the Texans. You just hang right there and just play the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Play the quarterback. As soon as he snap. Step in front of it, go pick. Yes, sir. Tell you. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Fourth and two from the Browns, 33. It's picked off. Here we go to the left, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Christian Harris. Second pick six of the game. Zone defense. So here's Harris. His eyes are on the quarterback. And at the last minute, he breaks underneath in front of the intended target, Harrison Bryant. Yeah, just that easy, huh, Coach? Nice and easy. All right, uh, we'll be back with you tomorrow starting at 4 p.m. See you then on The Hoffman Show.